first announcement is boom. All right, who here is a new student? Hands up if you've never been here before. Perfect. Leaders, look at the students and grab them a card later. Next. So these are items to always bring. Your Bible. Dress for the weather. 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 <laughs> weather. And then make sure that you bring a water bottle. Because nights like tonight, we're all like, hey, 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 hey. Bless you. Great. Okay, next thing for tonight. So coming up is the Thanksgiving service. Part of the Thanksgiving service, what we do at Timberwood is we record what you are thankful for. And then we share that on the Thanksgiving service in a video. So if you would like to be part of that, it could really just be, Hi, my name is Aiden. And I'm super thankful to have two really awesome parents who like always do the dishes for me. Right. Right. <laughs> Next. Now, I know, I know, I know. How many times have you heard it? But I'm going to say it again anyways. You should be wearing your masks. And your masks should be over your nose. So this does not work for me. This does not work for me. This is your reminder. So if a leader is like, hey, you need to wear your mask right, make sure we listen to them. Cool. I think that's it. Oh, no, uh, snacks are canceled. Snacks are canceled. Snacks are canceled. I know. I know, but that's okay. They're not gone forever. They're just gone for a while. <laughs> when exactly, we don't know. We don't know. They'll come back when they can. So we are in Deuteronomy chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can keep them closed this week. Actually, yeah. Perfect. How many of you enjoy Bible camp? Like like going to Bible camp, hanging out at camp, going swimming, pushing people over in the water, tipping some canoes, you know, the good stuff. Right, so I got the opportunity to work at camp for six years, right? Now, this is six years of volunteering. This is six years of being on staff. This is one year of being a college student at the Bible camp. How cool is that? And in all of those years there, there was never a single human being that bothered me more than a kid named Cole. Okay, when I tell you this story, let's keep in mind I was 18 years old. I know that's not a great excuse, but I was 18. I've learned. And then Cole, he was a 16-year-old kid who uh, was on our leadership in training program, LIT. Most camps have them. It's an opportunity for you to come into camp. A little shameless plug here. Come into camp like, I don't know, Trout Lake Camps. And then decide, hey, I want to work here and like figure out what it's like to work on staff and try out different jobs and positions and stuff. LIT, it's pretty cool. So anyways, this kid was an LITer. I was a staffer at 18 years old. I was the uh, maintenance guy, so I did a lot of weed whipping, a lot of tree hauling, a lot of chainsaw cutting up things, you know, all the fun stuff. And then this guy came in. He was the counselor for the week because he's really, really trusted and just really good at, at what he did. And so Cole just, he pushed my buttons. 
If you thought of me as a computer board, he hit every key. Right? <laughs> Bounce. Okay. So this kid, right, just rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I, it was time for revenge. It was time for revenge. I, I've had enough. I've had, it, I've had it up to further than I could reach with this kid. So what I did is I decided that a camper who wakes up at 11 p.m., this is true, he woke up at 11 p.m. at night, I would ignore him and let Cole deal with it. So this kid comes up to me. He's like, Aiden. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm sleeping. I didn't move. didn't make a sound. Just nice, shallow breath. Aiden. Got a little louder. Still ignored him. Aiden. Still slept. And then he starts shaking the bed. Aiden. And I'm like, uh-uh, nope, I'm a hardcore sleeper. That's, like, what I do. And then finally this kid walks away. I'm like, whew, thank goodness. And all of a sudden the lights come on, and he goes, I have to pee. <laughs> and Cole jumps out of his bed. He's like, what in the world is going on? And then he runs over, and he turns the lights back off, and he takes the kid to the bathroom. I'm like, sweet, I get to sleep. Have a good night, Cole. Let's get into the word. <laughs> so where we start off in Deuteronomy chapter 14, it's two parts. Moses first comes to the people and he says, hey, don't tattoo your body, don't shave your head, and don't hurt yourselves. And so they're like, whoa, what is that about? Well, here's the thing. Really, you can get a tattoo if you ask your parents. See what I did? Okay. Uh, leaders, you heard me say it. Ask your parents. But there's nothing inherently wrong with getting a tattoo. What's happening in this context is that everybody around the Israelites are spiritual. And what I mean by that is that I truly believe as well that every single human being from birth has the ability to interact with the spiritual realm. We have the ability to pray to God, for example. We have the ability to read the word and know what we read is true. We have the ability to be filled by the spirit and do good things through Jesus Christ. Now, that is our version of spirituality, of Christianity. And I believe every single person interacts with the spiritual world or believe that there's something bigger than themselves. And they choose to sometimes believe the wrong thing. They lead, they're led astray and they follow other gods, gods that don't even exist. And so the Israelites, this is the world that they are working in. They were working in a world, the Israelites existed in a world, where everybody had a chosen God. Everybody had a chosen God. And not everybody chose God, our God. And so the Israelites tried to remain different and separated from these people. And to do that, they worshipped God with love. They did not worship God through the act of harming oneself, changing oneself, or putting strange markings on oneself. These were all acts done in the pagan cultures for a, a false idol. And that's the world that they're interacting with. So then what does that have to do with us? Well, I think the challenge is that we as Christians need to look different than those around us. Cut it straight to the point. See, what was going on is that there is this ritual clean way of living life. Meaning that the Israelites were given direction by Moses, direction by God saying, this is how you look different. This is my expectation of you. 
because how easy was it for the Israelites to be led astray or find themselves being tempted to fall into the world that they just left from Egypt? Right. Like literally as they left Egypt, they're like, hey, you know it would be a great idea since God saved us and everything if we made a golden bowl? Like that, that was their process. That was their thinking. It's completely ridiculous. And so God's like, I need to establish my people so that they are in a protected world separate by their choice from everything else. And I need to give them the opportunity and the instruction to obey me so that they're not led astray. So again, our job as Christians is to live differently than the world around us. And we'll talk about what that looks like in just a moment. So I also truly believe this truth. When we hear something, enough times we start believing it. If you can recall back to the last time I stood before you and taught, I told you guys that I was extremely weird. That I'm okay with. Other things that I was told as a kid, extremely immature, stupid, fat, ugly, slow. And this was said to me on the daily. I was told this every single day by someone somewhere, regardless of what I was even able to do on the court playing basketball, on the field playing football. It did not matter. I had this label attached to me where these were the things I was told, and I started to believe them. So really what I think God was doing is saying, I need to separate my people from the world around them so they know exactly what is true. So they know that they are loved. Period. Let me say that again. So you guys know you are loved. Period. So Einstein, you know Einstein, he had this quote that I really like. Everybody is a genius, he says. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Let me say that again. Everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its entire life believing that it is stupid. So what I want for you guys is to live life a little bit differently every single day and surround yourself by people who love God and love you and will constantly teach that to you. Because when you hear that enough, you will believe it. And when you start to believe it, oh my word, the things you will be capable of doing that is my goal for you guys. Does anybody have their Bibles open? I know I told you to keep them closed. Uh, chapter 14, verse 1, can you read out loud for us? Yep, Deuteronomy, chapter 14. Verse 1, the very first. Perfect. I'm going to just pause right there. That is all we need. If you did not hear that, she read perfectly. You are the children of God. Let me rephrase that. We 
are the children of God are God. Period. That is our identity. That is what we're trying to grasp onto. And then we get to the second part of chapter 14, and it talks about tithes and offerings. Well, just very briefly, a tithe traditionally is practiced as one-tenth of your uh, money, one-tenth of everything that you earn being given to God in some way, shape, or form. And the Israelites actually tithed in three different ways. They had the tithe to the Levite. So there was this group of people who were set apart by God amongst the Israelites whose sole job was to lead everybody else in worship. They were supposed to set the standard of what it means to follow God. And so what God said to these people is, you will not have an earthly inheritance, which means you will not have physical wealth, animals, etc. Instead, he says, I am your God, I will be your inheritance. That is what God established his relationship as with the Levites. And so these people group didn't have an income because all they did is praised and worshiped God and taught people how to do the very same thing. And so instead, part of the Israelites tithe, everybody in Israel would come together and give one-tenth of all their earnings to the Levites to supplement their, or to give them money so that they could live. Another tithe was the tithe to the feasts. So what would happen is every family would set aside some money to go into Israel or wherever God established himself. And they would go there and they would worship God. They'd bring food. They'd bring their friends, their family. And they'd all do this together. And then the final tithe was money that was saved up. And this one is the one we'll talk about the most. The tithe for the poor. This was a tithe that went to widows, orphans, and the poor. So there's these three tithes, and I think each of these tithes kind of tells us a little bit about God's heart. The first tithe to the Levite says that God's ministry is important. Those who are able to do God's ministry need a way to keep doing that without distraction. A little further, supporting the church, supporting the community life. That is what that tithe was set aside for. The second tithe about the feasts. Well, these feasts, these uh, parties that were held by Israel were always in remembrance of things that God did for Israel. So God wants us to remember him and be in relationship with him in that way. To think, what has God gifted me with? What am I thankful for? And what do I need prayer for? And then finally, the big one, the tithe to the poor, to the widow, to the orphan. This tithe was set every three years, and each of these people in these groups would get money because God cares about the widow, the orphan, and the poor. And I think it's very easy for us to think, okay, I know what a poor person looks like. I know what that means. But do you, though? Let me broaden the definition a little bit. Let's talk about the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit is somebody who does not have a relationship with God, period. And the title is not just always financial. God blesses us with the ability to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Thank you. <laughs> and so what we do with our relationship with Jesus, the way we grow, the love that we experience is something to be shared with others, the poor in spirit. God tracks this. He's like, I want every single human being to be loved and to know that they have a future and to know that they can amount to something. 
something beautiful and inspiring to others. And that is exactly what each of you are capable of. So I think in this room, all of you are 14 and under, right? So that means on average, you have at least another 60, 70 years. I know, <laughs> a little weird. But think about that, right? If you start a single conversation right now, tonight, with a friend or a family member or somebody else that God brings into your mind to talk to, and you work on that person, and you bring to them the love of God every single time you interact with them, just imagine what you could accomplish in two years, in five years, in ten. The progression of loving somebody so much with the love that God gives us opens up hearts, breaks barriers, and gives people the opportunity to know that they are loved and that they can do something more than hear the words of what the world tells them they are. As we move forward, <clears throat> so I talked about Cole, this kid that just, yeah, <laughs> annoyed me in every way. What I started to realize with Cole as I thought about it more and more is that this is a kid who actually did camp better than me. This is a kid who could get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, go for a four-mile run, and then come back and be ready to serve for the 24-7 job that is camp. He had ambition. He gave 120%. And he knew who he was and whose he was. And that gave him the ability to serve like none other. So much so that when I came back to camp to work four years later after Cole and I weren't friends, I found out he's going to be my boss. A kid who's two years younger than me hasn't experienced camp nearly as much as I, is going to be telling me what to do. And through some work, and through a little bit of humiliation, or humility, excuse me, I was able to understand that Cole was called to ministry. That Cole was called to be a leader. That Cole had the ability to see the gifts in other people and affirm it. He's able to go up to somebody and say, you know what, man, God loves you fiercely, and he wants you to be part of the family, and I know exactly how you can do that. That was Cole's gift, and it was magical. And then I realized my issue with this kid is that I, I was jealous because this kid had everything that I wanted. This kid was younger than me and further ahead in life than me. Something that him and I now, because we are friends, joke about is that he already has his master's degrees, and he's already pursuing his doctorate. This kid fast-tracked school and got his master's in five years. And that is a very difficult thing to do. So this kid, again, ambitious. And when I realized he had a heart for what people and he had the ability to affirm in me the truth that God loved me and that I can still do this, man, I was on fire. Him and I became amazing friends. And you know what happened next? He encouraged me to go to Timberwood Church and apply. Cole is a kid who got me to be able to understand my giftings and stop listening to the world around me and fall so madly in love with God that I was able to come here and say, I want to work for you. And Timber was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> and that is what we can do as believers. We can interact with people. 
And so there are three things that we learn from the tithe, that we must love God, that we must love others like the widow, the poor, the orphan, and more. And then the final thing, the hardest one I think for all of us, put your hands up if this is difficult, we must love ourselves. Anybody challenged on that? Right. So leaders, you saw those hands. Some of those hands were yours. Tonight, I want you guys to talk about who in our life can we think about who needs a little bit of love. And honestly, it might be somebody like Cole. It might be that person who just pushes you the wrong way. So then what does it mean to love? This is the last part. John just says it best. Love is the total commitment to the betterment of another person. Say it again. Love is the total commitment to the betterment of another person. Cole loved me regardless of how much I could not stand him, how much I disagreed with him, how much I bothered him, him, me. He still loved me. He was the one to start the conversation Say, dude, let's talk about this. Love someone that irks you. And if you cannot have the physical conversation with that person, then one of the best things we can do is pray for them. Because I promise you, God shows up. So start with love. When you're having a conversation with God, with others, and with yourselves, start with love. First, period. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that you have accomplished here at Timberwood through these leaders, through these students, through the giftings you've given me and the team that supports me. Father, I thank you so much for who you've created us to be. And I ask that we can just go forward from tonight loving one another and starting with that love. In your name I pray, amen. All right, guys, thanks for everything. Have a good night.